Okay. Hello, Dancetopians, and welcome to the pilot episode of Dancetopia, the podcast. So this is my newest project, the bi-monthly podcast where I share news, musings, and rants and ramblings about my first love, dance. My name is Jory Goins. As some of you may know, my readers, all five of you, I am the founder and blogger-in-chief of Dancetopia, and this is just something new I'm trying as a better way to share information and my opinions about the happenings in the dance world. So, without further ado, let's get started. At the intersection of movement, knowledge, and passion lies a place I like to call Dancetopia. Dancetopia is home to all students, observers, and lovers of dance. Whether you're a seasoned professional or a novice, there is a place for you in this world. Welcome. So the first segment of this podcast will be called Warm Up, and that's where I share what I've been up to what I've been observing and experiencing in the dance world myself and what I'm hoping and planning to do in the next few weeks, near future. So what I've been up to recently, I just completed two shows. They were about three weeks apart. Um, and those two shows were both very different experiences, but they challenged me in really exciting and positive ways. Um, the first show I did, which was in late March, I was in four pieces, um, and just the amount of mind space that that took, there were so many times when I was just nervous to do the show because I was too scared that I would be so overwhelmed and so unable to keep up with the amount of choreography that I was learning that I would space completely on the movement and just mess up and I put a lot of pressure on myself to have flawless shows so that was really scary I got to a point where I was literally waking up and playing the music from each of the pieces I was in in the morning and listening to it and going over the movement while I got ready for work listening to it on the train while I was on my way to work I actually started having dreams about this choreography and it it seems to have paid off no mistakes in either show so much good feedback. My mom came and saw me perform, which is always so wonderful. My mother hasn't seen me dance since high school, so it was wonderful to have her there, to have her support, to have the love of my friends who also came to see me. Um, and what was really moving to me was that at one point I was really struggling and had rough rehearsal after rough rehearsal. And I texted my director and I was upfront with her and I was like, I know it's been rough and I know I've been having trouble and I know that this isn't the standard of work that I want to do, but I promise you that when this show comes, I will have it together and I will be on point. And her response was simple, but it was so impactful. She just said, your best is all I ask. And I think that's something that I know intellectually, but when you're trying to be perfect and you're trying to be the best dancer and you're feeling so grateful for having these experiences and being able to dance professionally, you can, the fact that your best is often good enough can get lost and you put more pressure on yourself. And oftentimes what I found is that when you put a lot of pressure on yourself, that invites mistakes, that kind of negative energy can make you mess up more than if you would just take it one step at a time and just set the goal of just doing your best. Um, so that was my experience with that first show. 
it was definitely trying something new. Uh, the other show, I, I actually had two different shows. One was a small kind of pop-up show at a mall. And then the other was a preview show that I just did. And both of those were really, really cool experiences. I've never performed at a mall. And it's a different energy when the audience is just kind of sitting there and watching you because it's almost like they're kind of doing what they're supposed to do. But there's something about having people just walk by and stop and take in what you're offering and giving that is in some ways more affirming and it gives you a different kind of energy because it almost felt like as more people crowded around, I started feeling like I needed to give more. But at the same time, it was interesting because I felt so accountable to the audience because they were really close to me. And I really, I told my director of this performance later, I felt like I was thinking too hard. And I I really felt like I was thinking about everything. I can remember the exact placement of my body and exactly what I was looking. There's, There's nothing about that performance that was a blur. And it's unusual for me, at least, to be really, really aware of myself when I am performing. I'm usually just going through the motions and it's usually kind of a blur. And then the next show I did was our preview show for the spring. And that was just in a very small, intimate space that had a bar. And it's just nice to have those experiences where you're really close to the dancers and you get to feed off of their energy and you get to hear everything that's going on, hear the responses, hear all of the feelings and everything that was happening within the show. It was challenging at some points because it was really cold in the space and staying warm is always a struggle for me but I think I gave a really good performance and I was really happy with myself I was happy with what we had accomplished and I was happy with myself for soldiering through this period of time where I was preparing for two shows at the same time because it required a lot of energy and I felt successful at the end of the day I didn't feel like I dropped a ball there's always room for improvement and now I have the videos for one of my performances and I've already watched it at least 10 times and picked apart everything, but I, I can't really find it in myself to be unhappy with my performance. And that's a really good thing. So that's what I've been up to. I'm on a little bit of a pause from dancing and performing right now, no shows to prepare for. Um, so I'm taking this week, I say to kind of cheat. This is my bad eating week before I start kind of dieting and being mindful of what I eat again. Um, And I'm taking a break from classes, but I'll be back in Horton on Monday. So that means nothing coming from me. Um, So that's what I've been up to. Um, Readings, I just picked up Ballerina Body, which is Misty Copeland's book. Um, I really got it more for the recipes and for the meal planning than to read the actual content. But I've been reading it on the train all of today. And I've actually gotten like a considerable amount of the way through. And just the amount of mindfulness that she approaches her life with and her dance practice with is so incredible. Um, Dancing with a full-time job and so much else on my plate, I'm not always able to stop and really take in what I'm doing. Take in the fact that I'm able to have a full-time job and dance professionally. Take in the fact that I'm able to be in class doing something that gives me so much joy. And a big part of Her mantra is just being mindful and taking in those moments and accepting yourself for where you are and taking small incremental goals to being where you want to be. And that's a really 
difficult thing to do because sometimes we see the person next to us and we, we compare ourselves to them and we want to be where they are right now and we don't understand why we're not where we are where they are right now because we've been working so hard and it's just those small little baby steps are what you need um so that's what I've started reading I have taken a peek at some of the recipes in her meal planning and let me tell y'all it's intense um but I believe I can do it I'm excited I've actually tried one of the recipes that's in this book before I even got it, which is her black bean soup with shrimp. And it was amazing. I made it in October because I um, was trying a different soup recipe all through month of, the month of October because it's National Soup Month. I'm excited to try a lot of her recipes that revolve around fish because I do still eat meat. Misty Copeland, as many of you probably know, is pescatarian. I am not, but I am excited to try some of her seafood recipes because I do love seafood like her Moroccan scallops with quinoa, although I'll probably substitute the quinoa with brown rice or maybe couscous because I'm not a fan of quinoa. Um, and then these salads actually sound amazing. Um, and she also has a blender jam that I'm excited to try because I have a blender. So reading that book, getting into that book, I'm also, I recently discovered uh, the Dance Studio Life website and the Ask Regold advice column. And the reason why that came about is because one of my favorite podcasts is Han and Matt Know It All, um, where Han and Matt are a married couple and they share their takes on different advice columns. And it got me to thinking, are there any advice columns for dancers? And I actually found a few. And Regold is very much from the perspective of studio owners and teachers who um, are at different schools and studios and what they're to do about different situations with students and parents and moving and changing locations and choreographers. And it covers so many things that I've always thought about, but never really had an objective point of view on. So I've literally just been reading old archived blog posts from his advice column. And it's, it's become my favorite thing to do when I come home from work. Um, I'm currently watching, I'm like obsessed with the Dance with Janet videos. Um, so in case you haven't heard, Janet Jackson is doing a very unique open call audition for new dancers um, for when she goes on tour and for when she's performing. And she's uh, asked people to upload videos to Instagram under the hashtag Dance with Janet. And they can either be freestyling to her song or performing a piece of her own original choreography. And it's so interesting to see people perform the original movement from If and from Rhythm Nation and from Any Time, Any Place and from All Night, which is one of my favorite songs and one of her most underrated songs, by the way. And I've just been getting my life to these videos and I'm so excited to see when she, who she picks and who really stands out to her because I've already, I'm in love with everyone and I can't imagine how she's going to make that decision. And finally, what I'm planning. So in this time that I'm kind of on a pause from performing and from rehearsing, I just want to train harder and take more classes. I want to do more ballet and modern. And I also want to try some new classes. I want to get back into hip hop. I want to take more tap classes. I want to try a heels class for the first time in my life and see how that goes. So I'm just planning to really, really try and sink my teeth into 
a bunch of different styles and see what fits, see what doesn't fit, see what I can improve on. So yeah, that's what I've been up to. Now we're gonna move on to our center combo. Haha, <laughs> I'm so funny. Um, and so this is where I share dance world news that I've been kind of thinking about or something that I've recently posted on my blog that I wanted to expand on a little bit more. So this podcast, I'm going to be talking about my recent blog post on Misty Copeland's Fuete fail. And I know you guys can't see, but I definitely just put in air quotes around fail because I don't think that term is an appropriate description of this at all. Um, so I'll post the link to the video and my original blog post in the show notes. So for those of you who aren't familiar, Misty Copeland is currently dancing the role of Odile in the American Ballet Theater's production of Swan Lake, which is currently touring around the world. And in a recent performance in Singapore, I believe, she didn't complete all 32 of Odile's signature 32 fuetes, which... Uh, come at the climax of the show and are one of the highlights and considered one of the most difficult parts of the variation and difficult ballet steps, period. Um, she does about 12 in the video I saw and then just finishes out with some PKs. And people considered that a fail, more air quotes, and one person tweeted and this person is so irrelevant that I couldn't find her or figure out who she was. And I, she's since deleted her Twitter, so it doesn't even matter. But her Twitter name, if she ever decides to return to Twitter to make more petty comments, is at Miss underscore Hokie, H-O-K-I-E. But this woman took it upon herself to tweet, this is why at Misty on point is the worst and why it's an embarrassment to ABT Ballet to even have her on the roster, much less as a principal dancer. No wonder the rest of the world thinks American Ballet is a joke. Now, first of all, let me back up. To say that Misty Copeland alone is the reason why people think that American Ballet is a joke is frankly giving Misty Copeland way too much credit. There are currently... Let me just Google some facts here. So before I get to lying, 16 principal dancers, nine, 10 soloists, 62 members of the corps de ballet, six apprentices, and three guest artists, three guest artists dancing with ABT. So to say that the reputation of American ballet hinges upon Misty Copeland alone, let alone the American Ballet Theater, which is one of hundreds of ballet con companies in the country is giving her way too much credit and not in a good way. So let's just quash that notion right now that the global perception of American ballet hinges upon Misty Copeland. That's absurd. And I also found this article from the New York Times by Alistair McCauley, and it's actually from almost two years ago in June, 2016. There's one paragraph that I'm gonna read right now that I think pretty much sums up what is so problematic about people's reaction to Misty Copeland. The 32 fuetes aren't the hardest assignment in ballet, but they're the most exposed example of virtuoso technique. If something goes wrong, the audience will see. I remember one ballerina falling flat on her backside around turn number 14 and several who stopped or switched to another step after about 20. There used to be great ballerinas who avoided them. Anna Pavlova, Alexandra Danilova, Alicia Markova, Maya Plisetskaya all did alternative steps. 
Margot Fontaine, who delivered them for over 34 years in Swan Lake, laughs in her memoirs about how an American critic described her wandering path during them as her cook's tours of the stage. And the reason why I pulled that paragraph out is because one of the main criticisms of Missy Copeland was that she had never done the fouettes correctly. But I just listed one, two, three, four ballerinas who just avoided them altogether and one who whose shifting and hopping during them was so noticeable that a critic flat out called them her cook's tours of the stage. So she's not the first person to not execute all 32 fouettes and her execution of them wasn't even the worst out of all of the many women who have attempted to perform this variation. So that leaves only one reason for this much vitriol and this much Fury. And in my research and looking at videos of the variation, I also found like other compilations of her fails and her lazy mistakes. And it's like, I don't see these kinds of combinations for Isabella Boylston. I don't see these kinds of compilations for Ashley Bowder. So that leaves me to think that the only reason there's such a microscope on Misty Copeland is because she's black. And because she's the first black principal dancer of American ballet theater. And that's really messed up. And she still represents so much more than technique and skills. A bunch of young women, little girls everywhere are seeing for the first time a prima ballerina that looks like them, who has their figure and their skin tone and their hair type for the first time in their lives. They're seeing that they can do this, that this is an attainable goal, that they can train and work hard and they won't be turned away at an audition for being black. That's so much more important than some damn fouettes. And the final thing that I want to say is that the only people who even thought to pick that apart were probably dancers. Most of the audience in Singapore probably didn't even realize there was anything wrong because she's a professional. The turns are just part of the ballet. And Dozens of ballerinas before have messed up, have flubbed, have made adjustments to fit their bodies. And Misty Copeland is no different from them. But she's being treated like she's different because of what she looks like and because of the color of her skin. And that's appalling to me. So, yeah, you can find the blog post, the original blog post that I wrote on my blog, dancetopia.blog. I will post it in the show notes along with the video and a few other comments I have. And now it's time for our reverence. So this is the segment where I share my key takeaways from recording this podcast and just from operating in the dance world over the last however long it takes for me to film the next podcast. And I urge you, my listeners, to do some type of action, take some kind of action towards bettering yourself as a dancer, as a lover of dance, as a consumer of dance. Um, So for today's reverence takeaway slash action item, I urge you in light of Misty Copeland's complete ownership of her boite issues to write down your latest in-class mistake or even your latest performance mistake and find something positive about it and tell yourself what you've learned and what you'll apply going forward. And I also want to urge you all, since I'll be trying new styles in new class, to also try a new style in new class and see what you learn from it, see what you get from it, see what you can apply to other genres. 
because that's how we get stronger and that's how we learn. So thanks for listening. That's the podcast for this week. I'm really excited about this project and I can't wait to record more podcasts and share more information with you all. Um, Until next time, much love and keep on dancing. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the pilot episode of Dancetopia, the podcast. Be sure to check out my blog at www.dancetopia.blog, that's dancetopia.blog, and also find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash dancetopiablog, and on Twitter and Instagram, at dancetopiablog.